Welcome to the Jim Bobcast. I'm Jim. I'm Bob. This week on the cast, Erzlgate, Transfer Window, The Party Effect, The Competition, Project Big Picture, Man City, and we might squeeze in a rant of the week. So Bob, Meza Erzl. Well, I'm not going to lie to you, it was probably the most inevitable shock ever given last week. <laughs> you know, it was almost a shock. Obviously, he was going to be omitted from the squads. There's rules there in place. That meant he wasn't going to be in a squad because he's an overseas player. He's not in Arteta's plans for whatever reason. And as we know, there's been more information coming out of the the tweets made on the press about how much he's getting paid just to play. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've had a strategy about this for some time. And whilst I think it's super unfortunate with the treatment of Metawurzel, my mindset on this has been he's being admitted purely to the club for financial reasons. I, I think Arteta's played with him. He knows of the player. I think everyone knows of what he can be on his day. So there has to just be a reason financially that he's being admitted from the squad. I've said this to you before. £350,000 a week touted salary. Can't see Arsenal paying a basic salary that high. I think he can reach £350,000 and his basic salary is probably more in line with about £225,000. And then he can probably earn around about £125,000 a week in bonuses if you acclimatise the Europa and Premier League starts, bonuses for assists and goals, win bonuses. You get bonused in the Premier League just for sitting on the subs bench. So I think they're just admitting him to save circa £7 million a year, which just so happens to be about the loyalty sum he was paid this week. Yeah, now that's interesting, isn't it? Because obviously there, I've seen musings in the press that there was offers coming from the Middle East, Al Nasir offering him, offering Hostel actually a transfer fee for him, £5 million, plus obviously going to pay him a lot of money to go and play for them. So obviously he stays past that transfer window, earns £8 million, plus keeps on with his Arsenal wage, circa three fifty a week. Is that a media kibosh on Ozil though? Have they just seen that this potential transfer has come out and then all of a sudden... It comes into the press that Erzl's received an eight million pound loyalty bonus. Well, that was uh, reported by the Oracle himself, so you know it, it's been reported from a reputable thing. Eight million pounds is a lot of money. I would have stayed at Arsenal for another few weeks if that was a lot of money. I can see why he stayed at Arsenal. He likes playing. Well, he likes the club. He likes playing for the club, even though he's not in the picture this season or for the future. You know, he enjoys being in London. I think we've been talking before we started today that he's probably got his next transfer already sorted and he's looking to just wait out the next few weeks, nine weeks now till the transfer window opens and you probably see him meander his way off to America. Do you think he'll leave in January? Yes, I do. I don't. Well, that, I mean, that's fine. I mean, I can see him leaving in January. I can see him trying to negotiate that leave. I think Arsenal are going to try and negotiate him out of the window in January because I think they do want to strengthen still. Uh, that eight million, you know, that eight million could have been the difference between signing a war and party, not just party. But we'll come on to that in the transfer window rundown. He is an all-time good Arsenal player, but do you think he ranks high amongst the greats? Of Arsenal or in general? I think, in you know, let's look at Arsenal because obviously as a worldwide footballer, he has uh, quite some CV. But I think as an Arsenal player, you know, how do you think he ranks amongst some of our other Premier League stars? As an attacking midfielder, in the time that I've watched Arsenal in the past two and a half decades, I think the only people that have had parity with him is Fabregas and the only player better than him is Bergkamp. I think he has donned the number 10 shirt for Arsenal and very reputably... 
I think statistically, and I think you've got some stats for Oh, us. I've got some stats for you. 254 appearances for yeah. Arsenal, 44 goals, 77 assists. That works out that he creates a goal for Arsenal every 0.47 of a match. So, so it's a goal every two games he's creating. What I find more interesting as I delve slightly deeper in that is under Wenger, that was a goal every 0.54 games. So that was even more, but... You know, the Emery effect has just destroyed the lad. He's He's gone down to 0.23 goals involved the game under Emery, which is obviously ridiculous. His best season, 2015, 2016, he was knocking in at 0.62 goals a game wow. in total involvement, assists and goals there, which, which is brilliant. You know, I've got this theory on Ozil, and I believe that that season there, we talk about the 2015, 2016 season, 19 assists in the league, 20 in total over all competitions. I think he just got fed off. He got cheesed off. Cheesed off. Cheesed off. He is there laying it on the plate for the, what, who's coming up to be the all-time French top goal scorer, <laughs> Olivier Giroud, eclipsing Henri's record. So he got fed up, laying it on a plate for Giroud, week in, week out, watching him flummox it. Danny Welbeck, bless his heart. Another player he's laying it on the plate for, Sonogo. You know, these players are are so beneath the quality that Ozil was playing that year. It's unbelievable. He got fed up. He thought, I ain't doing this no more. He was like, he was feeding Giroud like you would feed a baby his <laughs> breakfast in the morning. Mashed up Weetabix. Obviously, other cereals are available. But he's then offering that cereal. But Giroud was like the petulant child. He kept on turning his face and the spoon whacked straight firmly into his cheek. So that's what happened with Ozil. He just got cheesed off it'd be really interesting to know and i don't even know where you'd get this data from as to you know when he hit because there was there was a period where if i remember like rightly he was deep into double figures by christmas at this point i think oh he was flying there was it was there was honestly there was no question he was going to beat Henri's record that season yeah. Henri, uh did de bruyne level it with him the season yeah the, the, the record is 20 in 38 games yeah yeah so look he, he virtually 19 in 38 games that season. And I think he was on something like 17 after like he played on September the 3rd or something ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it was very, very quick. I remember it well. And, you know, Giroud scored some phenomenal goals for Arsenal. Just the, the scorpion kick. The scorpion kick versus Palace was genius. But yeah, no, I mean, going back to your point, I have exceptional memories from my season ticket days watching Fabregas. Dennis Bergkamp was probably the first gift I was ever given from God, you know, as a eight-year-old boy watching his very first game against Inter Milan. It was a very, very cold night. Testimonial. Paul Inter's testimonial, I believe. Nil-nil. Dreadful game, but you got your first feeling of the Flying Dutchman. I mean, the genius that was Dennis Bergkamp. And then he went on and had an illustrious Arsenal career. If only he flew. So behind that, Fabregas really then, I mean, he was just, he was the birth child, wasn't he? Or the football birth child of Arsene Wenger. The way in which he was sort of groomed through the academy and into the replacement, replacing Petit, replacing uh, Vieira and sort of slotting himself next to Gilberto Silva. He was phenomenal. And I haven't felt about a midfielder. I mean, the signing of Ozil that deadline day was probably, was such an exciting day. 
you know just everything that went on yeah. i mean from signing a world superstar to sky presenters getting rubber dicks from cheek to cheek it was really Do you know saying we're going to talk about the transfer in a minute but that's one of the things that i was really looking forward to in this week's transfer <laughs> last week's transfer window you've got all the people working from home giving their oh and and going to uh rachel adams or something whatever it is sitting there in her front room i just wanted her husband to come in and go hey rachel you left your dildo on <laughs> yeah. you know what's just something like that but it didn't happen uh, which was a shame uh, I think one of the clips I saw in that sky transfer window is there was a dog asleep behind yes, the lady on the couch just asleep yes, on just the couch Labrador, just and cozying you know, up to the blanket you know Jim White and a yellow tie never beating this so uh, I'm all for people working from home on Sky Sports it just adds that little you know, you just want a little bit more from it. So It wasn't yeah. quite the same, was it? Having Harry Redknapp about three bottles of Cote de Rhone just sort of sitting there with Jim in the studio. Oh, no, Harry, you know, Jim. I, I loved it when he's... <laughs> just like, know, yeah. basically just sort of coating spurs in chocolate sprinkles saying that they're going to be the team to challenge Liverpool this season. Yeah, so back to the boy Ozil. I just think that he's played his last game for Arsenal. It's a shame he's going to go out like this. He probably deserves a little bit more... But then he's taken a lot from the club. There is times when he was on the pitch that he didn't look bothered. He didn't look like he gave a shit, to be fair with you. you know. I don't actually agree with that. He, it, you know, Wenger even says himself, he disappeared from the radar when he left the club. He is an artist, but there is no longer place for artists in the modern football. The real reason why he's not there and he should be, are a mystery to me. So Wenger's sort of like... Is that a quote? That's a quote. Quote Arsene Wenger. There we go. Because I think in that uh, recent interview, Wenger talks about the modern game is the high press. And I've said to you before, it's bizarre for me because that's Ozil's kind of game. Uh, Ozil's got good legs. I mean, he often, when they were doing kilometres covered, you know, used to used to become a head scratcher for the Sky Sports panel because probably other than Aaron Ramsey, he would always cover the most kilometres in an Arsenal shirt. But he doesn't want to put his foot in or go in for the hard tackle so the high press is exactly the way you want Mesut Ozil to defend, right? I mean, it's it's high intensity, low contact. So it's exactly the kind of conditions that he could play in. And obviously on the repeat of that, which is the transition from back to front, so the counter-attack under the press, then you'd ideally want your deadliest pass of the football in possession of the ball. Because we haven't signed a replacement for Ozil. We haven't had that player for many years now. Hence the reason it just continued to make me scratch the head. Yeah, uh, I think obviously this podcast going out this week, it's it's Mezzas Erzl's birthday this week. Happy birthday, Mezzas. You're 32 on Thursday the 15th of October. Uh, So yeah, happy birthday to you. I hope you get some really lovely presents. (laughs) Maybe a few stuffed animals, stuffed toys. And stuffed animals and stuffed toys is interesting. Do you think that Mezzas Erzl is holding Garnosaurus to ransom? Well, not personally Gunnosaurus, but the image that is portrayed as the Arsenal Because mascot. it's a very, very... He's willing to pay for Gunnosaurus' salary. I think he's trying to protect his profile because he hasn't played competitive football for nigh on seven or eight months. You, you reeled off his stats there where he's been involved in a, over 100 goals for Arsenal in 250 appearances and he is exiting the football club out the side door. Now... It'd be very interesting to see what kind of minute reel or YouTube video or or thanks measure for the memories Arsenal do. But I think he probably just wants to make sure amongst the fan base, because I think he really actually cares. I genuinely do. 
I think he just wants to make sure that, you know, he, he exits the football club with a level of etiquette and decorum and be remembered for that majestic kind of free-flowing, gazelle-like playing style that he embraced that many people who watched him on the TV were frustrated by, many people watched him in the stands were silenced by. One of the things that's interesting, if Ozil plays one more game for Arsenal, and as a result of that game, knocks on an extra 100k in salary for that game, how many dinosaurs can that pay for? (laughs) You know, it goes back to the old uh, Oxfam advert. Give a man a fish and he'll feed his family for a day. Give a man a fishing rod, he'll feed his family for a lifetime. Allow Meza Ozil to play for the dinosaur and he'll pay for him for a year. Allow Meza Ozil to play one game for Arsenal and it'll pay for him for the rest of his life. <laughs> so, you know, I think, you know, you could see why, you know, I think he held him to ransom now. I do think he's dropped that into the media as a ploy. I'm a massive Ozil fan. He's I don't know. One of my, I don't know. He's I'm... one of my all-time favourite footballers. I have a German shirt with Ozil on the back. You know, I'm, I'm, I do think the bloke's legendary. Up until a few years ago, it was my Netflix password with Ozil in it. I've changed it since then. But yeah, so, you know, I think Ozil's going to be, it's going to be sadly missed. You know, obviously sadly missed because Arsenal's chance creation. Well, what you're just saying is you're a massive Ozil fanboy because you've bought a shirt, he's your password, you've got a tattoo on your inside fire. Ozil will be massively missed from Arsenal. And I'm not sure that I completely agree that it's a complete hole to ransom. I think he's quite a charitable guy. He's very Um, charitable. Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong. I mean, when you're dealing with a, a multi-multi-million pound net worth, it puts you in a more prestigious position to help those in and around you. But he is choosing to help those in and around him instead of buying tracksuits and Gucci trainers, you know, which I'm sure he owns in an abundance. But that's not how he's portraying himself on his media. He never has. You know, he's always been what seems to be quite family orientated. He keeps himself in quite close circles I mean, with his family and, his wife and friends. Just they donate money left, right, centre, paying for children that are sick. You know, when he won the World Cup with Germany, he didn't take any of his prize money. He insisted that it was given to to feed or to house yeah. or, or to care for sick children in Brazil. Yeah. You know, the bloke's got a heart of gold. I've actually met Meza Ozil. Have I told you this? You've met Meza Ozil? No, you have not told me I don't know this. why I've never told you this story. So, well, you say met him. I mean, myself and my good friend Ross, who's now living in Australia, no doubt he'll pick this up and listen to it. So hi to Ross. He and I used to have our WhatsApp group was called the Meza Appreciation Club. And one week uh, through a, a work situation, I was able to, as we knew he was moving to Australia, I was able to get a box for four people and it's called the Match Day Package at Arsenal where you uh, meet a star before the game of your choice. You get given a gift and a mention in the programme and then, you know, the full kind of uh, the full kind of rollout from Arsenal with the four-course meal and the booze and great seats and such the like. You know, for Ross, it had to be Meza Ozil. So we were guided downstairs with and stood with Gunnosaurus hand in hand, not literally, but like, you know, side by side. And the players came off the bus and they said, oh, Meza, Meza, you know, the, the match day guys, they want to meet you. Can you spare some time? And he said, yeah, not a problem. Off with his headphones. And he was fully into it. He had photos of us. We had a very, very brief chat. And what I remember of him, other than being a super splendid guy... He might just be the best smelling man I've ever stood next to. Really? Oh, phenomenal. I mean, like, you're probably the Creed kind of Tom Ford. I mean, he he smelt like he played football. I mean, it was just 
Did you feel like you were standing next to a Brilliant. tray of Ferrero Rochers oh, it was... and the ambassador is spoiling you? Oh, it's just like roasting nuts of a Christmas Eve. Everything about him was very good. Obviously not bacon grilling. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But everything about him was very, very, very nice. You know, he was a very, very humble, lovely guy. And he was just very gracious, you know. And I think a lot can be said for that, for someone who is such a high net worth profile athlete. And I'm not shocked about his giving nature. I'm just going to hold something for Mesut that what he's tried to do for the Gunnosaurus profile, actually there's an element of, of humbleness, if that's a word, and, and actually giving in that. And yeah, and, and, you know, and I just wish him really, really well, actually. I, just, I will follow him until he retires. So, so people out there, uh, tweet us in your Mesut Ozil memories. Hashtag Mesut Memories. To tweet that into at Jim Bobcast. So that is at and Jim is J-I-M-B-O-B-Cast. So tweet into at Jim Bobcast. Hashtag Mesut Memories. Give us your memories of Mesut Ozil. Pictures, you know, favourite games, anything like that on the fantastic German for Arsenal. You know, a legend, a World Cup winner, numerous trophies, assists left, right and centre. You know, I think during lockdown, he was working as an NHS volunteer because he just wanted to keep on assisting people. But no, I think uh, Mesut Ozil is he's a proper Arsenal player. He certainly formed a long part of, you know, he signed the day after we beat Spurs. So, you know, he's coming Giroud off. Giroud goal, 1-0. Yeah, what a great day. Near post. He was phenomenal near post striker. You know, it's, it's, he's going to be sorely missed. So I think now, James... We'll put a little question in the mark here and we'll put a plaque on the wall once we've answered this question. Where next for Ozil? America. America when? Summer. I think it's going to be America. I think he's going to go in the close season. So we're going to write that one down and I'm going to knock it on the wall. That's that plaque on the wall. The first plaque of the podcast is on the wall. Meza Ozil will be playing in America. I say January James says next July. So fantastic there. Right, Bob, let's crack on then. So the transfer window, all right? So I think we've got to rate this transfer window out of 20, being 20 clubs in the Premier League. You've got to assess the competition around you. I've always said to you that I perceive that your football club plays in two leagues. So you play in the transfer window league in regards to how you perform against your competition. And you play in the Premier League, obviously, when you play for 3-1 and 0 points. Historically, Arsenal, to me, have finished somewhere between 8th and 13th in the last 10 to 12 years. I think Arsene Wenger's interview is brilliant. He said that his first 10 years was very much around his bonuses and his mandate was around winning championships. The second 10 years was absolutely around survival because he was asked to pay off the loan of the football club and help the football club rebuild. For him personally? Well, I mean, he, he really embraced the manager in abbreviated commas job role, didn't he? I mean, he was managing finances, club tradition, the club in its forward features. It's becoming the ethos. A, Yeah, the ethos of the football club. So that's where we've kind of got to now. And I think now the fan base have seen 12 years move on, no league titles. We got close a couple of times. But 2016, that Ozil year. That was the Ozil year. 2015, 26 season. When Leicester 16, won the season. When Leicester won the title, Ozil's greatest season in an Arsenal shirt. The assist record that he could have and should have broken. He breaks that. We win the league. Job done. But a Lacazette or an Abamyang gets that over the line. Totally. I agree. Wholeheartedly. 
you know, and subsequently in his latter stages of his Arsenal career and sort of, you know, Wenger bought Aubameyang in the January before he left in the in the May in 2018, you know, Ozil has been used very differently in an Arsenal team that's seen really classy number nines. You know, I think Lacazette is a classy number nine. He is a really traditional number nine, whereby Aubameyang kind of is the mould of an Henri. I mean, he wears his shirt, but he also has characteristics of his game in between the fullback and the centre-half, playing through the cutting lines. And that's how Sanchez played for Arsenal, really, which which gave a lot of Ozil uh, his, his best football. But the transfer window, out of 20 in the 2020-21 season, I rank Arsenal seventh. I think we've had a reasonable window. I mean, I've done a little bit of analysis here, looking at what teams spent, looking at net spend, which I think is particularly interesting. It is in a global pandemic. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you see Chelsea, they've spent £222 million. They haven't spent money for a few windows. So that puts them with a net spend of £155.8 million. I've they've, got these... They've sold 70-odd million quid. £66.2 million they've shifted this year. Really? Uh, yeah, I'm not too sure where. They must have, you know, sold a player here and there, obviously. You know, Leeds knocking in. They've bought £96.4 million for players, Leeds. Really? And they have sold zero. Wow, so their net spend's £96.4 million. Yeah, that's, that's, that is intent from a side coming up there. You know, our transfer net spend, by, by contrast to those two, uh, we've spent 77.4. You know, you've got Mary and those being included. That because right, okay. obviously those deals didn't become real until the transfer window opened. Yeah. Uh, we've sold we've sold roughly twenty million pounds worth, so a net spend of around fifty seven point four million. There is differing reports on how much money we've got back in there. Some people saying it's twenty million for Martinez. Some people saying 17. it's fifteen point six or right. something like that. Well, they sold three million quid of a player to Sheffield United, I think, didn't they? Yeah, or Leeds, wasn't it? The, the Leeds, you know, just around the corner, really. Yeah. You know, Man United knocking at seventy three point four net spend. You know, eighty seven million. Uh, a lot of that on deadline day, thirteen point six million in sales. That was obviously two people at Chris Smalling. Spurs have knocked in sixty mil, spent twelve, so forty eight million net spend. You know, some really interesting ones in there. Spurs only spent sixty million. They bought all those players. Yeah, I don't know if it's including uh, bail in that the, the loan fees. I think they're looking at normal transfers here because obviously that's obviously a massive chunk here. But I'm, I'm only I'm only going by what I can read. Absolutely, yeah. I mean. So you, you you take that and that's interesting and and Arsenal then have showed a little bit of intent there. You rate them out of your twenty position league. How I, how I describe it. So there's a lot of teams that have really strengthened their sides, and those teams I think have in many ways moved above Arsenal. You know, Everton have made some really big strides there. You know, you say seventh. I think we're in around somewhere between you know before party. Mm. You know, we're languishing bottom third of the league. You know, that signing has really boosted us in terms of what he brings to the club. He was Uh, one of the two players we needed. One of the two. And that's the interesting point is one of the two. And I think the fact we didn't get that too, I think we're in and around, I would say, between sixth and eighth position there. You said seventh. (laughs) But, uh, you know, we are, we're sort of not, we're not quite top four here. We're challenging for Europa League places in this instance. Yeah, and I think only... The manager, the coaching, the change in the team there. You've got to remember that they've... I give them I give them credence to getting Aubameyang, Saka and Martinelli into new contracts. That deserves some pats on the back. I think Gabriel... I said this to you a week or so ago, and I'm going to repeat this. My... Put it on the wall is Gabriel will make the Premier League team of the year. Yeah, I agree. I think he's played three league games so far this season, a man of match in all three. Yeah. I think a generous man in a match against Sheffield United. He was top form. 
I thought Pepe made such an impact when he came on as a substitute. Yeah. I'd have given it to him. But he, well, I've only ever seen one player get man of the match for playing 30 minutes. That was Beckham in that England game, which was bizarre. So yeah. I think you just need a bit more time on the pitch. But I agree, Pepe changed the game. But no, Gabriel's been brilliant. And I think he's exactly the sort of player we need. He's a very solid... It, it looks like he's been playing for Arsenal for years. Yeah, I mean, he is a no-nonsense centre-half who is also very comfortable on the ball. I mean, that is the blend of modern-day centre-back. He is the want. best ball-carrying centre-half since Ken Moncow at Chelsea. <laughs> you know, him and his left-back, Graham Lassobe, carried balls often, apparently. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I think, you know, the Gabriel impact was great, but the teams around Arsenal showed intent. Now, if you listen to other pundits who, who have analysed the um, transfer window now, you know, you, you now understand it was a buyer's market because the global pandemic meant that prices were somewhat chipped a little bit because teams needed to raise money. They were obviously conscious that their budgets were still going to get hammered and there's not much support from governing bodies and X, Y and Z when... Obviously, fans can't get into the grounds. I felt that if we'd really committed to that just one extra player, which I think we know is Hussamoir, then I think top four football, I don't think you can ever guarantee it because it's such a competitive league. But I thought the squad would have been in fantastic condition to have made a real charge at the top four. And I also think that you know, Liverpool and Man City can be got at a little bit this season. I mean, seeing the results we've seen, City haven't quite got out of the blocks yet. Villa putting Until seven Saturday. on Liverpool. <laughs> Liverpool conceding seven to Villa was madness. So, yes, you know, it's going to be a bizarre season just because... No, I, I think that something else that's going to make this season, and in particularly around transfers, bizarre, is the transfer window, as we've already alluded to, is nine or so weeks away now, beginning of January it starts. Yeah, You know, it's not a long time from the end of this window, but more importantly, it's very young in the season still. You know, normally the transfer window's coming in, in January. You've played a lot of games by then. You know, we're now looking at middle of October and what we played, four league games? Yeah. Four league games by the middle of October is unheard of, even with international fixtures. So by January, you're not going to be far enough into the season. So the transfer window opens on the eve of Arsenal's 17th Premier League game. So it is a compact um, fixture list, you know, and and again, it's one of the reasons why I'm quite happy that um, we've got a bigger squad and we can use it wisely. But I still think that we needed that one extra player. And... um, I agree with you. I think think the reason I agree with you is because Arsenal are, are not creating the chances. No. And if you're going to ship off someone like Ozil, who we've already discussed, has a you know almost a goal every two game record of creating goals. Yeah, you know we haven't got that in the squad at the moment. If we just look at the players we've currently got, I'm going to include Party into this one because he's an Arsenal player. He is. You know you've got Sabios that's being involved in 0.1 goal per game last season. You know Jacker's not even involved in 0.1 of a goal. You know, they're all in around that point one mark, whereas you look at Awa last season for Leon, yep. he's knocking in at point four six goals per game. Which is equivalent to Ozil's record at Arsenal. It's within Ozil's average, you know, you're talking you're talking point zero one. So enough people will remember the good of Ozil and will say that almost he is at a legendary status, you know, or someone of a Fabregas, who I think was just over a point five when I've looked at these things before. And you've had the ability to buy a war at 45 million quid, give or take, 50 million euros. 
and you've turned the opportunity down. Now, I know we'll get on to Awar and the idiocy of his brother who's asked for a £10 million agent fee and, and whatever has gone around the Twitter player, I mean, last season alone, he was pretty much a goal every four games from that number eight position. A goal every four games. He has that... scored a goal every... Yeah, three point... You know, it was a 361 minutes per goal. Wow. So he is a goal contributed every sort of 180-odd minutes. I think it's quite uh, foolish of me not to mention Willian last year for yes. Chelsea. Obviously, that's for Chelsea, and I'm, I'm trying to compare Arsenal player playing for Arsenal yeah. with a player that's not. So if you look at Willian last year, he played 47 times for Chelsea, and he was a goal every point for two of the game. So that's getting there. So if you introduce Willian... And but he's not being picked at the moment to play in that three. He's being picked to play in the front three, which yeah. is a completely different set of events. It, it, it is as well. It's almost like paying a cow to be a milkman. You know, he's very good at making the milk, but how good he is at delivering it. You know, you know, you want to put the square peg in the square hole. Cow to be a milkman. There we go. Tweet it in every time you see a cow now. Hashtag cow to at Jim Bobcast. Do not send photos of cows to the Twitter page. <laughs> I'm going to be out there now. So, I mean... Yeah, the award deal frustrated, and I think that is what would have given the transfer rating a a, a top four. I would have probably ranked them four, four, third. I think Everton had the best window out of all clubs. I think the shrewdness of, I think Tottenham had a top three window. I really do. That that Rulilhon looks like a top player at left back. I'm not sure what Bale's going to do. They've brought in a replacement. Play golf. Yeah, and he's good at that. But, I mean, if you get anything like the bail at Madrid or the bail that left Spurs in, in that front three with Kane and Son, then just annoyingly they're going to be quite fucking good. Um, yeah, that is very annoying. I mean, you know, Everton you talk about, they spent £87 million in the summer selling four. Obviously, that doesn't include things like any deals on Walcott and things like that. So it's excluding the loan deals, so yeah. to speak, in there. And they so, managed to get Rodriguez on a free, uh, right? An amazing deal getting Re- Rodriguez. Getting Hammers Rodriguez, Allen, the way they yeah, the way they've strengthened their team. It's not quite moneyball esque because obviously they've gone and dropped the wallet. But what they've gone and done is they've looked at where they're weak, and I think that is an area where we have done it with Party, and I think he's going to be a valuable player. His ball carrying, his eye. He's got two assists this week for Ghana, winning in their five-one game. So plenty of assists there. So he he's got an eye to bring something to the team, as well as. You know, I think quite a brilliant stat from him last season. He's got 16 yellow cards. Yeah, I like that. That means he gets himself about. Yeah, and I think that's something we need. Mm. You know, one of the things in the early Wenger days was that we did have a lot of red cards and a lot of yellow cards, yeah. if you remember rightly. There was a lot of shithousery early on in Arsenal. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously that wonderful game when Van Nistelrooy missed that penalty yeah. and Keown and Lauren and Parler... Ashley Cole before he realised that the wallet wasn't just something that you put in your pocket just kicked off and I think there's only one time recently I've ever seen Arsenal kick off and that was against Spurs you know when we beat um, I think we beat them 4-2 at the Emirates when Torreya scored the great fourth goal Aubameyang scored a great goal we we played brilliantly I would say that's our best game ever under Emery yes oh by Mars no one would ever challenge that because it clearly was we went 2-0 down didn't we uh, two nil down, yeah, two nil down or two one down or something like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, we were right under the cosh, but they kicked off properly in that game, and that was the first time I thought to myself, you know, these these are guys with a bunch of minerals here. Yeah, then they fell about afterwards. Like that. It's unbelievable. 
So back to the transfer window. Yeah. Let's talk. Let's not talk about the one that got away in Uwa, but it is party time. Today he's in his shirt. First time in the number 18. Thomas Thomas 18. on the back. Thomas 18, not Thomas the Tank Engine. He is going to be might an be Thomas the Tank Engine. He is going to be an engine in our midfield. Yeah. He is going to be blood and guts. Uh, Edu spoke of his strong mental attitude. You know, I think a mental attitude, your your Nevilles, your Mersons, your Sky Pundits did talk and have talked in past seasons about Arsenal's mental weakness. Soft belly is a thing that often Soft, comes up. Yeah, and I think buying players like him and Gabriel will give us a strong mental attitude, something that's going to really... Arsenal have got a spine now. I mean, they have... Like, Leno is a top, top keeper. I mean, he really is. He's under the hot lamp at the moment because Martinez has left and looks like he's continued his fairly good Arsenal form at Aston Villa and good luck to him. I love Emmy Martinez. Everything he stood for... He did lick two goals in the other day, though. Yeah, he did. I like, mean, they'd scored seven. Yeah. We absolutely wish Emmy well. Um, but Gabriel has added something. Louise is a bit of a no-nonsense defender. So I love David Louise. He's like my guilty pleasure. Oof. Xhaka and Party certainly add some substance to the spine. Uh, I think the way Xhaka's responded to what happened last year against Palace was... Redoubtable, beautiful, brilliant. What a great attitude. Yeah, phenomenal. Well. Like, really credible, actually, because it's so easy as a footballer to just side door, go take a big salary somewhere else. I think Arteta has to take a lot of credit for that. Massive. He seems to be an exceptional man-manager, Arteta. Yeah, I agree. And then you've got Aubameyang and Lacazette up top. So they've got a great spine now, Aston. We've got we've got some really good foundations to build on. Um, and Party is absolutely imperative to that. And he is he has probably fixed a piece of the puzzle that we've missed for years, I think. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I think he's going to really improve us. And I think he's going to improve us from day one as well. I think he's going to come straight in against City. But I think what he's going to give, and we we'll be talking about this chance creation. I think the reason we've, we've been lacking a lot of chance creation here. And, you know, I picked up on Ceballos and Xhaka there. They've not created many chances because they've been asked to do too many jobs. You know, at this moment in time, in previous matches this season, their their main job has been go and babysit the Egyptian. Mm. You know, the Prince of Egypt's on the pitch, old uh, El Nene. You know, (laughs) we talk about Ozil not planning getting into a squad here. We talk about selling a dinosaur, you know, making the dinosaur redundant. I think both Garnosaurus... And Ozil can rightly be aggrieved by the fact that Mohamed El Nene is playing for Arsenal Football Club. He is absolutely Katmandu. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what Mohamed El Nene's got to do with Thomas Party, but I can concur with the fact that he is crap. Well, he's got a lot to do with Thomas Party because he's now going to be the bloke polishing his shoes, you know, because he's not going to be playing anymore, you would hope. But no, Party. I think he's going to really improve us. What's he going to add, Bob? What's Party going to bring to the club? Thomas Party is going to bring to the club guts, mental strength, the ability to be strong in the middle of the park. We've been overrun so many times. Even if you talk about that West Ham game earlier in the season, they were getting to the second ball so many more times than us. And I think he looks tall as well, doesn't he? I see him. Uh, holding uh, the shirt with Arteta today. He looks a good three, four inches taller than Arteta, a little bit wider, still very lean. He's obviously a profile of a, of a human. He's a big player for Arsenal, and big players carry big salaries. £250,000 a week. Thomas Party has been reported to be on. James. Go fuck yourself. Really? It's Do you not don't think he's on that? Nope, absolutely not. And if he is, Arsenal are crooked in the way in which they do business. 
and anyone who is head of negotiation for Arsenal should step aside and I will happily offer my services as chief negotiator because that is ludicrous behaviour. Thomas Party was earning, as per the internet, which is where we can only get our information because we don't know, uh, you know the details behind his bank account, reportedly between 47 and 55,000 euros a week at Atletico Madrid, minus of bonuses, basic salary. So Atletico wanted to renegotiate his contract, which was coming up, and they were talking about a double up. So doubling his £45 million release clause to £90 million, which would be €100 million, and putting him on around about €100,000 a week. But that, that negotiation has never started because obviously Arsenal have activated his £45 million oh, release clause. I'm going to tell you a story about my views on that in a yeah. second. So Thomas Party is sitting here as an Atletico player, and let's just go at the top end on €55,000 a week. Yeah, 50000 English pounds in the Spanish system of where I believe the taxes are slightly more... Unless you're messy. Yes, yeah, but I think, you know, he's earning slightly um, slightly less net pay, should we say, because of the tax system in Spain in comparison to what it would be in the UK. You're telling me at £50,000, Arsenal's initial offer is to come in and say, I will add 400% to that, Mr. Party, plus bonuses. You'd hope not. Well, fucking right you wouldn't. So I think you understand his agent's going to come in. Well, Thomas is due a double up. He's going to get a new contract. Okay, all right, what does that look like? You know, €100,000, all right, £90,000, fair play. Well, I'm going to come in then at £125,000, which is the equivalent to about €140,000, and then our bonus system will do this, this, and this. And if Thomas can get us top four football and we're back into the Champions League, we'll give him a bonus. And if Thomas can do this in retrospect of clean sheets or contribute to goals, or if we can win the Europa League, like there'll be more and more bonuses. So... You know, could he have the most magnificent transformation under uh, Mikel Arteta and transform Arsenal into a Champions League side that wins European trophy? Then I reckon his, his total package could touch on £200,000 a week. But do I think that Arsenal have gone in with a basic salary of £250,000? Absolutely not. I can see them offering 150000 but that is absolutely capped. I just cannot see them paying more than that. So, just a quick one. Just... Give me a two-second answer on this. What do you think Erzl's basic salary is? I said it earlier, 225k. So you think he's getting 125 topped on top for a match? No, he plays two matches a week, right? Yeah, so you're in two matches, so it's about £60,000 a week. You can Okay. £60,000 a match. Okay, so so do you think it's realistic to say that parties obviously on something similar, and that's why it's been reported as 250 Bearing in mind, the person that's reported that £250 is a is a legendary sports reporter uh, with a massive tongue in my cheek here, John Cross, a friend of yours, I believe. <laughs> the look on his face, if you could see it now. Uh, no, James has gone all silent. He's actually left the room. But- I haven't. I'm still here. It's just shithousery. I'm not. I just don't. I, I don't agree with it. You know, if John has, you know, ha- has it on good authority and wants to send us a DM at Jim Bobcast, you know, on Twitter and tell us how he believes that Arsenal have gone deep into their pockets for four hundred percent a week, then then I'm absolutely ready to read it. But you can't tell me that it has come under major scrutiny about their wage bill. They want to clear Urzu off. They've cleared Mkhitaryan off. They've got rid of some other players on on loan and are still looking to 
move some fringe players of the squad down in the forthcoming windows. And we know in this transfer window, they've not moved some players on that they were looking to. And then they're going to straight away turn around and say, you're on 50k, mate. We're going to put you on 250. So yeah, Merce, Paul Merson uh, actually sort of said himself, what, he's on 150 grand a week. You, you couldn't have put him on 149 grand a week and paid the dinosaur a grand. That's what he said, which okay. is quite obviously quite amusing there from Merce. Another legendary Gunners asked uh, absolutely number ten, but no. That, so that, obviously he's talking about numbers like one fifty, and you know if, if I said he was on under fifty grand a week, you'd be like, it's a bit high, but I'll take it. I don't. Uh, well, I mean, if he was about to get a double up at Atletico, and you've ended up giving him a bit more than that, you know, then that falls in line with the tiering salaries at Arsenal, and that puts him in the right place. But. Adding another hundred thousand pound a week to that, five million pound a year. You got a guy here currently earning three million pound a year basic, and you're coming in saying I'm going to put you on thirteen million basic salary. Yeah, I think as well, saying else there about the negotiations. We know now, you know, footballers and agents and the football clubs they start talking well before they're allowed to. You know, Edu himself in a in a fantastic interview last Brilliant week. Interview said uh, seven months he's been in Arsenal's plans. You tell me now, seven months, they don't know exactly what he's earning at Madrid, what exactly what he's going to get earning at Madrid, all of the ins and outs of his contract. So they've gone in with 250. I think it's poppycock. If that was the money that they were going to have to pay him, they, they categorically would have had to have moved Urza on to have been able to fit him into their wage structure. Yeah, no doubt about it. Because you you've, got, you've got a Bamniang's renegotiation. You're telling me Arsenal, who are really shrewd club operating at this level like are paying a million pound a week to three players nah it's not happening like because you've got Aubameyang Ozil and Party coming in at around about 800 850,000 pound a week in basic salaries no no I think I think if you were to say that he's earning somewhere near 250 a week if he plays twice a week and has two assists and two clean sheets and two I'd, goals yeah, yeah I'd say 250 is about right but we're not we're not the power bods at Arsenal of course we're just offering our opinion we're using our no you're trying to build a picture as to how they've done a deal because Arsenal still have to operate in the transfer market under a kind of clipped wing strategy it's not a free for all unlimited kind of resources like a Manchester City or a Chelsea can operate under. Do you agree? I totally agree. So with that mindset, then they have to very structurally and very delicately handpick the players that fit into the two elements that they can control. Transfer cost or transfer fee and player salary. So £50 million, we know they can operate at that number now. This is the third or fourth player they've bought at that number. Lacazette, Ozil, Aubameyang, Party. £250,000 a week, though, that's a salary beyond... We couldn't offer it to Aaron Ramsey, but why would you... you know, If you could offer that sort of money to him, you wouldn't have let £40 million transfer value walk out the door for free. And we haven't been able to offer it to other players in the past. Sanchez, I think, wanted to renegotiate his contract and was starting to fall out of love with the club and... Was it going to be a case of, no, we'll delve deeper into our pockets? I think Sanchez at the time wanted 200k, and that's why he's ended up leaving the club. Yeah, and in a lot more than 200k. But you, you've mentioned that sort of salary. I think I can understand, and I think everybody else would be able to... You know you can get me to rant about that every time. I know, that's why I pressed that button. But let's talk about the transfer fee. £45 million, pounds, yeah. 50 million euros. Yeah. So the way that's all worked is there's been ongoing negotiations throughout the summer. Mm-hmm. Arsenal been like... Can we try this? Can we try that? Madrid have been like, nope. 
I only want the release clause. And even when the, the Terea deal started to come into fruition, nope. I only want the release clause. So there it is. Well, I don't think it was we only want the release clause. I was thinking Thomas Party is not for sale. So the only way, like in Spain, I think every player of profile has a release clause I think attached. Every to them. player has to have a release clause. Okay, so that and that's lodged with La Liga, right? So they have said Thomas Party is not for sale. I think Arsenal said, look, you know, we might be prepared to pay his release clause. So you might want to do a deal with us. We've got an asset that you want in Lucas Torreira. And they were thinking, no, 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 we want to do the Torreira deal and we want him to play with Thomas Party. They're right, they're allowed to do that. Absolutely. He was a player we wanted to move on. So there it was. Arsenal have just played Sheffield United. And I remember we're both watching the game. I'm watching it at home because, you know, social distance with my missus. She's next to me, bored out of her skull. <laughs> You're watching it here. And when we've messed each other and I'm like, they're all there. You saw Hasfemi. You saw Edu, Edu, Vinay. Vinay. They're all in, the, in there with their masks on, all socially distanced. And there they are, all in one place. And I said to you, they're in the one place. There's only one reason they're all there having a chat. They're ready to go. They're, we're waiting for Mikel and then business time. And that's exactly what happened. And I said to you at the time, no, nah, I'm not having it. It's too late. Like, start the car. It was home time. Well, even on that Monday morning, we're chatting about this because we chatted a lot during the, yeah. the transfer window. And I am, like, vented up at this point. Oh. You know, and I'm thinking, well, logically, they're going to buy the player. They're going to buy a player because logically they need him. Why would they not? Why would they off? What what have they offered a Bamiyang to stay at the club if they don't go out and improve the squad in that way? And then my phone rings in Epsom High Street and we get a little bit of uh, in the know knowledge, right? And my phone rings from a good friend of mine who I've met at Arsenal over the years, who is attached to not the club, but like he has associations with profile people that are attached to the club. And he says to me, Thomas Party's release clause will get activated by Arsenal. And then I jump straight on the phone to you and you go straight onto Twitter. I don't think there was anything just yet, but I think it came very soon after that. And you were starting to tell me, I knew this was going to happen. I knew this. Well, I did say, you know, when we were having breakfast that time, I did say, logically, it's going to happen. I was always pro-party. I thought he was the player we were going to get because he was the simplest deal to get over the line. He was the one that could always happen because another club couldn't block it. Not even the selling club could block it. Essentially, no club could block it. So there they are, Arsenal. Edu, you know... He finds his correct passport because, you know, Edu shit with a passport. <laughs> Going back to when he signed and he tried to get in England on a dodgy passport or something, which was hilarious back in those glory days. So Edu sorts it all out. Their Arsenal go. They go off to La Liga. And I believe the rules are with transfer deals in La Liga is you go to the little tapas bar next to it. <laughs> you sit down at the table. The matey comes and takes your order, picks up the brown bag with all the cash in it. Goes and puts it behind the bar. You eat your tortilla and your patatas bravas. On your way out, the Liga people come in, sit down with a small cup of coffee, take the money back to La Liga. So that transfers to, you contact La Liga, you put the money in escrow, they then give you permission to contact to a player's consortium, and then you can technically negotiate with the player. Now, at this point, we understand that Arsenal must have been speaking to parties' advisors for a period of time, and then... Personal terms are agreed. And then the sale of the player is lodged with La Liga. And Atletico Madrid at this point have not a clue what is going on. 
<laughs> they're oblivious to it. You know, they're still showing Terrell around the, the dressing room, saying this is where you're going to sit next to Thomas. Yeah, here's a whiteboard with you and Thomas in the free yeah. with Coquet or Saul. It's or unbelievable. Everybody. Yeah, you know, they, they do medical examinations in Spain. A lot of people were touting that he was in the air on his way to London for a photo shoot. I said to you, that's, that's not what I was told. I was told on the phone that if they could get the personals just finalised and actually formulated, then between 9 and 11, they'll put the... Uh, the tick sheet into the FA, and then he will um, he will sign for Arsenal, have a medical in Madrid, and then fly to Turkey to join up with the Ghana team, which is what actually transpired. So it was sound advice that we great. were. It's a great signing for Arsenal. I think he's going to be a really good player. I think he's going to be a top top signing. I'm I, I've seen him play in the Champions League a few times. He has comparisons with a Vieira. You know, he's quite raw. He puts his foot in. He should be someone who really rallies people around he's him. He's got a very good eye for the pass as well. He's, yeah, he yeah. seems to have that kind of cross-fielder in the Range, tank. He's got range in him. You know, just going back to transfer there's a clubs around us. Mm. Last season, I think they did finish above us last year. Wolves. What do you think their net spend was? Well, they bought two 30-plus million pound players. Obviously sold Jota. I know, 35, 40 million quid. Their net transfer spend was about two and a half million. What? Yeah, net spend. The wall, How Wolves doing business? bugs me you know their third shirt looks like the portugal shirt you know they're signing portuguese players left right and center they might as well change the name from wolverhampton wanderers to george mendes united you know wear the portugal shirt all the time because they're practically our portugal now but the infamous signing was neves right don't talk to me about the Neves signing there he is this lad (laughs) right this lad is wanted by real madrid and wolves to even actually just put that sentence into context. They're in the championship. So yeah, what Wolves or Real Madrid are your options? The Bernabeu or Molyneux. <laughs> yeah. You know. Glorious sunshine. Tony Cruz. Ronaldo. Was Ronaldo not there? wasn't there at the time. He was there at he the time. He was at the time. Ronaldo, Tony Cruz. Benzema Bale. Benzema, Gareth Bale. Connor Cody. He's actually a really good player, but at the time. Yeah. You know. The comparison was you not... You can't there. actually reel off Wolves Championship players, right? No. I don't, I don't even know where to start. I don't think George Mendes could either. <laughs> so George Mendes has basically told Neves, you're going to Molyneux. So he pulls up in his Jag outside Molyneux or Bentley, uh, or whatever car he gets him. There's three women outside Wolves' ground. Three women sharing a bloody eyeball... <laughs> There they are, sharing this eyeball, standing by a brazier, warming their hands. Not a Jeff brazier, but like a little uh, fire thing. They are warming their hands, sharing an eyeball. It's like a scene from Macbeth. (laughs) Neves just looks around, goes, Christ. But in Portuguese. But no, there he is. And Mendes goes, no, you go in there, you sign for them. He's signed for Wolves. He's a class act. What a player. I don't know what it is, but Voldemort ain't pulling that amount of dark arts. Yeah, that, that, that is pure is. sorcery. It's unbelievable. And, you know, and it's even more sorcery that they've made a net spend of 2.34 million and they don't stop spending. That you know? is a, that's phenomenal negotiations. I mean, you would have thought more that they would have a, a similar net spend to that of Leeds, wouldn't you? Yeah, that was high, right? Yeah, 96 million that Leeds net But spend. that's proper intent. That's kind of... They've backed Bielsa, they've backed his strategy from day one that he's gone into that club. I think the guy literally barely says a sentence. I don't even think he could order a Happy Meal in a drive-thru. And they've just given him everything he needs to operate. And uh, my brother-in-law's a big Leeds fan. 
stalwart Leeds fan, like travels from Essex up to Ellen Road to go and watch them play. Like he loves it. You know, he is so excited about what this guy can do. And I've paid more attention to them as well. And fuck, they're a, they're a fucking good football team now. I mean, you know, it is great to have them back 16 years without being in the Premier League. I like following old Arsenal Academy players around. Luke Ayling, an, uh, an ex-Arsenal Academy player, played around a lot of the youngsters who went on and done great things. And um, I think they'll have a great season. I, I predict they'll finish in the top nine, top eight, top I nine. I think they're going to finish quite high. We're going to obviously talk predictions later. Sort of thinking about the transfer window, a, a bit of sad news happened in the transfer window. Uh, obviously, Jack Wilshere terminating his contract. I think, you know, where do you rank Wilshere as an Arsenal player? He's certainly one of the most favoured Arsenal players over the years. Another favoured Arsenal player, bless him, Danny Welbeck. Mm. Two players that have been released from their contracts. The contract's terminated by club. Obviously, Watford going down a division. There have probably been clauses there. But yeah, that's sad news in the transfer. Where next for Jack? Well, we'll start with Danny. Danny's Jack and Danny. Jack and Danny. So let's talk about Jack and Danny. Danny has got a great chance of doing something in America, I think. I think that suits his kind of profile. You know, a lot of the culture about the States. I think he holidays in Miami and stuff, looking at his gram from the past. I think he would suit... I mean, Looking the... at his gram? Yeah. What, what English is looking at his gram? Gram is Instagram. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. I'm 39 next month. Yeah, I'm allowed showing, to be old. You're showing your age. So I think I think Danny Welbeck will go to America. Look, Bradley Wright Phillips can be the all-time goal scorer in the MLS. And whilst he is a right, so I put massive respect on his name, he didn't have a massive career in the UK and he has lit the MLS up. He's like a, a legend out there, isn't he? Massive. Like, I think he's just not long moved from New York Red Bulls to a new side, but his goal-scoring record is prolific. Not but, since the pilgrims on the Mayflower have English people had such influence in America. Yes. So I think Welbus could go to the States. He said he'd do better than Prince Harry. And uh, yeah, and and, uh, and I wish him well. I love Danny. That that guy, Danny, and uh, uh, that guy, Welbus, wasn't he? But... Um, and that goal he scored against Leicester from the Ozil free Ozil kick. Ozil free kick, 2016. That was Valentine's Day on 2016. Yeah, and that three minutes into injury time, 2-1 winner, that was phenomenal. And and that was actually when you really got a bit of Ozil, by the way, because they're big fist pumps off that. That was passion that day. Yeah, it was a it was brilliant great. name. That really, had, really had good. Come back in that so, Welbs to America, wish him well, loved him as an Arsenal player. I remember his Champions League hat-trick, thinking, cool, we've got one here when we bought him from United. But... Um, yeah, again, another player who is ridiculed with injuries. And that brings us on not so nicely to our story about Mr. Wilshire, who I adore. Really good egg. Yeah, a lovely kid. Do you know what I mean? He was like a lovely kid. I remember the season that Arsenal signed Marouane Shamak, the Moroccan princess. And all <sighs> that Arsenal had to rely upon until Christmas that season was Jack Wilshire in midfield and Marouane Shamak up front. And we were right in the title race, by the way, at the point when Van Persie came back from injury. Shamak had scored like nine or ten goals, and Wilshere had bossed the Premier League games that Arsenal were playing. I remember in his younger days when he bossed the likes of Xavi and that off the pitch. I mean, it's interesting, he's been linked with a transfer to Rangers, is Jack Wilshere. Right. I think that'd be a good move for him. Under Gerrard. Yeah, under Gerrard. We would have played with him for England. He's, he's currently 28. He's going to be 20, 29, not, not December. Not is he Boxing Day birthday? It's January the 1st, New Year's oh, Day. Boxing New Day was Day. Ramsey. I always remember there around that time. Yeah, so Jack Wilshere, I mean... 
you you can't really ever talk about periods in his career where he really ever got going. I don't know how many seasons he's had where he played more than 30 games in a season, and that's that's half the problem. But when he did play and he was fit and he had a run in the side and he was match fit, yeah, you just saw something seriously promising. Again, the biggest issue with his game was he obviously had issues with his ankles and like sort of from the knee down, and he played a game that drew a tackle. Yeah, he, and, was, he was forever... He got, he got tackled harder than most. Yeah, and I think that was this ball-carrying, close control. He, he had this ability to offer half the ball to the defender and just engineer it away from them just before the tackle came. But obviously, when that's mistimed, that hurts. Mm. And, yeah, and, and you can remember loads of great memories of Jack. Like that Barcelona game where he put Iniesta and Javi in his pocket. I mean, that was like serious midfield artistry. The goal against Norwich. I think that Barcelona game, that's been, I think RVP got sent off for in that game, didn't he? For something ridiculous. Or suspended for the following game, following a ridiculous booking. You know, he kicked the ball, he scored a goal yeah. after the whistle had gone, but it was like two seconds after it. There was like two noises or something, yeah. And I think that, uh, that actually cost us that. I think we could have beaten Barcelona. It's only gone through because we, yeah. we were bossing the game. But yeah, Wilshire has had many a fine game at Arsenal. I think he, I think football needs people like Jack Wilshire. I think the media profiled him to be, they put him on a massive pedestal. I think that's half the issue with the English media. I think when we when we generate or produce a talent of that ilk, like they're profiled so high. I mean, look at what they're doing now with the likes of your Foden's and your Sancho's. Yeah. You make some Greenwoods now. I mean, they've they've rightfully done things wrong, but they've been vilified for this, you know. The only one that's really gone through with the profile was Rooney, probably. But I wish Jack Wilshire really well. I would love him to come back in a cameo performance at Arsenal. He's twenty eight. I mean, if he goes if if he goes on a pay and play deal and trains well and has been fit for eight months and we haven't signed a yeah. number eight, like why would you not just have a look? You know, five grand a week, Amazon vouchers. You, you just 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 pay and play. Like I would just every time you're in a match day squad, you get paid. Yeah. And be good enough to be in that squad, you know? So we've looked at Gabriel, we think he's fantastic. We've looked at Party, we think another player that's going to be brilliant for the team. We've signed Willian. Yeah. I think Willian is going to really add something to the squad. I think that's a very shrewd purchase yeah. uh, on a free. I think that's a really good deal. I think he's going to add a lot to the squad. We've already alluded to some of his stats from last year at Chelsea, playing in a slightly different position. But I think he's going to help us as a team to try and create some more chances. Although we're creating not very many chances. No. Very few shots on target, very few shots this year. But, yeah, so winning and brilliant. Uh, I think on the whole, we've strengthened the side in many things. Disappointing fact for me on the transfer window is our inability to move, is to move those players on. You know, the ability that we didn't move Kalanasic on, we weren't able to move on Socrates you know, Mustafi again. Mustafi managed it. Mustafi's in the squads, though. Socrates isn't in the squad. It's being reported today that obviously we did want to loan Saliba back to St Etienne for next year, but some problems on St Etienne's fault didn't make that deal happen. I think the most likely destination for him there is the championship, yeah. which I think will do him good. I think that will be a stronger test of football. It'll be quite high intensity, but also be physical. They're going to play a lot of games. Yeah, so uh, there's murmurings of Brentford, right? I think Brentford is the most likely thing. I think we've got a good relationship. Yeah. 
you know, changing coaches and things throughout there. We've sent a lot of players in the past there on loan. Yeah, yeah. Benekafobi you know. back in the day, I think, went there. Fran Marida. Chesney. Chesney. Chesney played in goal for them for a good couple of seasons. That's when he was a, a real ute. Yeah. You know? Ute. Yeah, you know, you know, on the ground. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but but no, yeah, so I think that I think that'll be good for him. I think they play a nice style of football as well that he'll be able to to work well with. So yeah, on the whole, I'm happy that we've bought some good players. It was a window that we have moved forward slightly on. And to be fair, I've, I've said to you before, I think it's stagnant and I've kind of sat on the toilet on it a few times and just thought, no, this is probably progress. If Arteta is Geppetto <laughs> and the transfer window is him buying wood, I think we've gone a long way to giving him the tools to buy and make his own son in Pinocchio with Arsenal Football Club. <laughs> I love analogies. You're going to hear lots more of those over the weeks to come. But yeah, our Geppetto will create a Pinocchio. I mean, Wenger spoke very highly of Arteta this week. He did. He did. Yeah, I think Arson. I think Arson gave a very honest interview. And uh, I look. I think that wraps the transfer window up with a closer as to we've assessed the competition. So I think now we really need to do our top four. Post transfer window prediction. What do you think the top four will be, Bob? Come uh, the summer in twenty twenty one. End of the season. Top four: Liverpool, yeah, Manchester City, yeah, Everton, yeah, Arsenal. Pretty good. I think Arsenal are going to finish third, but I think it will be Liverpool, Everton, Arsenal, City. I think City will finish fourth. You drop City to fourth. Yeah, I don't know why. I've just kept thinking about it. I'm. I think we might get something this week, and we'll talk about the City game um, in a minute. Yeah, and I think Everton will consistently be an issue. I think they have got really, really good depth in their team. They've not got European football, I don't believe, so they're going to have longer rest than others. And they've found a player in Calvert-Lewin. I mean, he started to get good at the end of last year. Now they've given him some real providing, like in, you know, in, in the looks of um, Ricarlison's working well with him. James Rodriguez is an absolute player. Yeah, yeah I think Calvert-Lewin is, you know, he looks. But you know why you've got to give him but some respect on his name? Because he's gone and scored for England as well. You yeah. know, he's, he's gone and scored this week for England and he looks comfortable playing international football as well. He looks so, like a proper footballer. It's almost like he's been held back over the last years. And yeah, now The he's, only thing wrong with him, he's got a dodgy haircut. Yeah, but you, I mean, you can't hold that against him. Well, you can, because it's his choice. <laughs> so, there are top fours. Uh, at Jim Bobcast, let us know your top fours. Who's going to finish where? I think you've also got to just put some... You've got to also just pay attention to Spurs. They probably will be a team that will up potentially upset the top fours. I fucking hate saying you know, I it. think... You mean, I, I dropped Supper City second. You put them... Fourth. fourth. I think that's an interesting thing. I think... The, they will finish in the top four. I just don't know how bad a season they'll have. I think, and again, I think Liverpool are going to run away with it. Yeah, I don't 100%. think they're going to knock on smash no, your five points. They'll, they'll canter it. Yeah, they will win at a canter, 100%. It's but if be- De Bruyne doesn't have the output that he's had for the last three seasons, City are in a transitional period. They've got a makeshift defence. They've bought all new defenders. They've still got a hole at left back, I think. I don't know anything about this Ruben Diaz. Seems super expensive for a person that or a player that not a lot of people know a lot about. I mean, I, it was really interesting listening to Talk Sport. Like they've paid forty million for Ake, conceded seventy-two goals last year or something. Yeah. So I mean, while he still looks like a nice ball player, he's still 
been part of a team that have conceded 70-odd goals. Yeah, I mean, they have spent in the transfer window, City, they've quite spent quite a significant amount of money. Manchester City spent £138.6 million, yeah. selling £67.7 million, and they've let Leroy Sane go. Yeah, odd. I absolutely think that bloke is total class, Sane. I think he's an amazing footballer. Yeah. You know... He is brilliant. He's the sort of player I would I would love to have at Arsenal football. I mean, he's gone to Munich and like straight off the bat, ripping it up, right? Absolute class. With crew gritted teeth, Serge Nabry. Oh, absolute class. He might be the biggest one we've let get away. Yeah, I mean... Hall- not only us have we abused him, Tony Pulis is for his shit as well. well. Tony Pulis is not even allowed to speak anymore following that. But no, I think we uh, let one go by the wayside with that one. But no, Nabry at the time, sometimes that happens with young players. They do miss their their Holy. turn on the wheel and they go to another club and do it. Yeah. But yeah, a net spend City, which is knocking in at 71 million just mm. about. They've spent a lot of money this year, but I think they've let players go in Leroy Sane. So is it time to talk about the game? It's game week. We've got Premier League football. We've had a week of international football, Ugh. which means... Yeah, I, a week and a half international. Yeah, I don't, I'm not a massive fan of the internationals. Well, I just went and played golf. I use the internationals to do stuff around the house and please the missus so then I can watch football the following week. Yeah, it makes no. sense. I don't really enjoy international football. There's definitely a place for it. I'm not even sure if at the moment there is a place for it, obviously with the global pandemic. And I think more and more, well... You know, on that conversation topic is uh, is Tierney Gate, but I think we're going to talk about that a little bit I later. I might mention him later. Yeah, but um, we will get on to the City game this Saturday, 5.30, Sky Sports, City-Arsenal. Big game to come back. And I think we should start with our predicted lineups. Should we try and do the City team first, what we think they might put out? We could do, yeah. So I think they'll go Edison, Walker, Stones, Ake, and Mendy. Probably be De Bruyne, Rodrigo and Fernandinho. And then the front three, I think, because they've still got Hazes. I know Aguero's back in training, but I think it will probably be Sterling, Bernardo, Silva and Mares. You know, that's the lineups they've been playing most weeks. So I think they're going to probably stick with what's there. Obviously, we know that De Bruyne pulled out of the Belgian side with yeah. a little bit of niggle, as did Aubameyang from the Gabon yeah. side. Yeah. So... We're quite happy that I think they've both been seen training. So I think they'll both play some part, if not all the part. Yeah. You know, I think that's about right. You know, I don't think they're going to risk Aguero against us, even though he's got a great record of scoring against us. But then again, Aguero's got a great record of scoring, scoring against, against anyone. anyone, you know. Yeah. You know, he's got a better record of scoring than John Terry has with his teammates' wives. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think they're going to line up really strong against us. You know, De Bruyne is going to be pivotal in the middle of the park, pulling the strings. And I think that's what's been around doing in previous games against them. Yeah. So Arsenal team. So for me, I think they're play the 5-3-2. 5-3-2, 4-3-3, 3-4-3, whatever way you look at it. I agree. We're going to play three up front. We'll start at the bat though. Leno in the sticks. Of course. Yeah, so then the f- I'll do it as a five. So yeah. I'm going to say Bellerin, Holding, Louise, Gabriel, and very unfortunately, Kolasinac. And I don't mean that unfortunately on Saeed Kolasinac, but I mean yeah, because... Yeah, I mean, 
Obviously, so, Tierney can't play. Due it's to very, it looks very likely that Kieran Tierney's not playing since he obviously had to go into quarantine. Yeah, we haven't heard more about that. So yeah, it's really unfortunate he can't play because Arsenal's win percentage with Kieran Tierney in the team is fifty nine percent. Right, and without him in the team, Arsenal's yeah. win percentage is forty two percent. Wow. So let's translate that. Arsenal lose forty one percent of their games with Kieran Tierney playing, but they lose fifty eight percent of their games with him not playing. Solid. So that's, he. I, I think he's been one of the revelations under Arteta yeah, absolutely. since lockdown. I mean, he was a great signing in the first instance and everyone was super excited about having the road man, you know, and that is the most annoying thing that I would rant about, Tin. He seems like the model professional footballer None of the kind of shithousery that's gone on with any of the England players breaking curfew, going to parties, not abiding by the rules. He seems like someone who is a stalwart for the rules. He's gone on international duty, he's done exactly as his club and his country have told him. And he's been brought into contact with this Scottish player who's tested positive, albeit Tierney subsequently tested negative for coronavirus. Okay, that's it. Sorry, I'm going to interrupt you there. We'll come back to Man City, man. But my rant of the week... It's got to be the rant of the week, is this whole Kieran Tierney scenario. It is absolutely preposterous. Kieran Tierney has gone, like you rightly said, to play international football. He's following the rules. He's got tested, negative. Tested, negative. I think he was tested 17 times. Negative on all of the tests, yet still has to quarantine for 14 days. Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. He's had more up his nose than Robbie Fowler. Yeah. Christian Ronaldo has been <laughs> Christian Ronaldo has been tested positive with coronavirus. The Portuguese team has been tested and found negative and still allowed to play. Tierney's omitted from the squad. You've then got, as you rightly said, the England boys breaking curfews and lockdowns, mixing with more than six players, going to parties, stand out after 10 o'clock. They're allowed to play. You know, there's all of these rule breakings. It's ridiculous. Yet the poor old Arsenal player, poor old Kirantini, does everything right. He was probably wrapped up with a cup of oval teen yeah. at bloody nine o'clock watching reruns of Taggart. <laughs> you know, he's there doing all that. Robson and Green. You know, he's doing all that and he's been penalised to high heaven and Arsenal been penalised off the back of well, it. Well, it's just off the back of, obviously, you mentioned the impact that he has on Arsenal with the win percentage under him. And, and it just so happens to be that we go away to City, you know, at the Etihad, in a game where we absolutely need him both defensively and attacking. So... I think it's ridiculous that... It is utterly ridiculous. But it's not being mandated. The rules around it... Irrational... It is irrational that international football has been allowed to go ahead during the pandemic. Well, I don't agree with that, you know, because... I you, just think you've got your leagues. Each yeah. week your leagues are testing, testing... Players are in bubbles. You then take players from all over the world and you mix them in. So are you, are you in your mind then, are you cancelling the Euros in 2021? I cancel anything that we can't do properly. Now, the difference between the Euros in 2021 versus these internationals is those players get bubbled up. Like cricket, like sports, like the, the teams do it week in, week out. They're bubbled up. They're within a secure COVID environment. And that's what makes the matches happen. You can't go to Spain this week on holiday and then come back without not quarantining for 14 days. Correct. So you're going to take all these footballers. They're going to do the exact same thing. Yes, they're going on private planes and all this stuff, but they're coming from all over the globe. Ronaldo's in Italy. He's playing with other Portuguese players that are coming from Wolves, of course. (laughs) You know, and we've seen that the Midlands in this country is on the high ratio. Yeah. 
You know, you've got players that are playing in Manchester. I mean, Diaz is Portuguese, plays for Manchester City. Yeah. You know, Diaz can play against us, but Kieran Tierney can't play against them. Similar scenarios. I mean, because it's not mandated, like, you know, the rules around it are loose is probably the nicest way of describing it. You know, yeah, scenarios like this have just so happened and we've just so happened to lose a player in a match that we absolutely need him in and the circumstances around it are... I bet Mohamed Elnene comes back with a clean bill of health. Yeah, yeah, to play left back. Oh, he'll play wherever you want. You know, I think the crab will play wherever he wants. But it's gone quiet, the Tierney gate. So I just hope that our rant of the week maybe somewhat gets, you know, sizzled out because some sense it comes into the uh, the powers that be above. I don't disagree with the fact that he has to quarantine. I, I disagree with the fact that you can see other players doing similar stuff and not have to quarantine. Surely there's a consistency that has to be had. But Wolves wouldn't be able to play a game for 14 days. Wolves wouldn't be able to play any time, you know. But, you know, even if they wear their Portugal kits, you know. <laughs> you wait, Ronaldo will play for him next season, guaranteed. Yeah, he finished his career there, yeah. Yeah, Ronaldo moves back to England, not for Man United, for Wolverhampton Wanderers. Molyneux's newest signing. Chips and curry sauce, everybody. Put that one on the wall. So we move to the Man City game, Bob. So let's start off with our predictions for the Manchester City game in retrospect of the starting lineup. So for me, Arteta will continue to play the 5-2-3 or the 3-4-3. I think it'll be Leno in goal. I think it'll be Bellerin, Holding, Louise, Gabriel and Kolasinac. Albeit I would prefer Saka to play left wing back. I think he might play Saka. I really hope he does. I think you will see party time and I hope they pair him with Ceballos. If we learn anything from the Liverpool game that we lost where Liverpool were outrageously good, but we didn't offer anything in the middle and attacking third of the pitch and you just need to give your defence some respite. And I think Ceballos gives that more so than a Xhaka or an Elneny. And then the front three for me would be go back to the old school a little bit. So, you know, William would rest this one out and I would go Pepe, Lacazette for his ball holding up skills. And he has a good record against um, the top six clubs and Aubameyang as the, the captain on the left-hand side. So that would be my 5-2-3. I'm going to agree with you, um, but I play Saka. Yeah. I play Saka because I think he's quite possibly going to give us the same in defence as what Kalanasic would do. But I think when we break, I think it was shown that when we broke against City in the cup semi-final, I think with that absorbing the play, counter-attacking style that has been so well against the top sides Mm. uh, under Arteta, I think we'll want to do that. I don't think Kalanasic gives us that. Is there an argument for Maitland-Niles then? There is an argument for Maitland-Niles. I would go Saka. I think he's had his England debut. He scored before the break. He's on a bit of a high. I think he could carry that form through. And I think you want positivity. Positivity of Saka and Party. You know, I think Sabayas is going to be leaps and bounds playing against Party. I think you'll see something really good there. Yeah. And I would play Pepe because, as I've said... He deserves want... it now. I mean, he, he deserves it. He started think... showing some signs in the uh, cup game against Liverpool. He was elite, I thought, off the bench against Sheffield United. And I think they're starting to manage him. Aubameyang said in an interview recently when he was asked who's Arteta's favourite player, he said Pepe. He just stands behind him all the time. He spends so much time one-on-one with him. I think Arteta has seen a project in Pepe. And if they can get the kind of player out of Lille and unlock the numbers, you've got to remember, I think he's 24. He's super young. Yeah, he's brilliant. And I think 
he's got that that style about him that he would scare the defences. And I think that's why he plays. I play Saka on the left. I play Pepe on the right. And I think that gives us the stead. Maitland-Niles in the squad. I think he's brilliantly. He's like a Swiss army knife. You know, good for any job. Yeah, I think that's the lineup. You know, I do agree with you. I think it will be that sort of uh, 5-2-3, sort of hybrid squad. Yeah, and I think it'll be Saka playing at left back in absence of Tierney. Uh, and I think you'll see Pepe playing on the right side of the front three. Okay, um, do we do we have a pop at the City team that we think we'll face? I mean, it'll be Edison in goal, no doubt. Walker, do you think Diaz is going to get a start straight? I, I don't know. I think they'll probably stick with what they've been playing with recently. You see John Stones, maybe Aki playing in there. And then... They're going to move forward. And you see, obviously, De Bruyne is going to be in the middle of the park. He's going to be, obviously, integral to everything they're doing. I know Aguero's back in training. Yeah. I don't think he'll start. He has a great record against us. He has a great record against everyone. But I don't think he'll start. And, yeah, I think you'll see City playing what they play against most of their teams. You know, they'll play pretty much like they have been for the early part of the season. I expect yeah, really, for, probably an unchanged lineup. For, yeah, 4 3 3. And, yeah, I think Mendy's starting to get a run in the side again. Ake and Stones, maybe. I'd like it if we play against Stones. I think he'll struggle against Lacazette, Pepe and uh, and Aubameyang. And then you just go to the norm. I mean, you've just got to break down there free in the middle. And this is where you could see, like, you know, Party come into his own because he's going to have to go up against Fernandinho and Rodrigo, who are similar style players to him, and go against a three being in a two and get around and do two men's work. So... You know, we're assuming that party will start. I think Arteta's the kind of manager who puts him straight in. I think, I think you ben, need to put him straight in. I, I, think, I, don't I don't think, think Benga you, doesn't, but I think Arteta does. I don't think you gain anything by playing anybody else. No, absolutely not. There's no risk. He's He's been playing all season. He's fit. I notice he speaks English as well, so he can communicate with the other players straight away, you know, where other players like Gabriel's come straight in. Like, I think the only people he can, the only player he can speak to is Luis. Well, in the back, yeah, him and Luis and Willian. That's, I mean, the famous uh, the signing video when they yes. did it in Brazilian because, well, no one else would understand this. Yeah. You know, Arsenal have beaten Manchester City in the league for a very long time. I mean, uh, we've only actually beaten them in the cup. You know, uh, we've beaten them in the FA Cup semi-final. Yeah. And then we beat them previously in the FA Cup semi-final in the 16-17 season. So we're on a run of, it's like an eight-game losing streak at least here. Against uh, was City. the last time we beat them 2-0 when Cazorla had like a worldy game? I think we might beat them 1-0 or something uh, later on in there. I think we nicked a game of Giroud scoring or something like that. But right. yeah, since 2008, so since they got the money, since they signed Robinho yeah. is what I've been looking at. Yeah. We've played them 24 times, won five, lost 12 <laughs> and drawn seven games. So that's, uh, that's obviously since they've got the money, they've really overtaken us. They've mm. purchased our players, yes. you know, famously cliche. Nasri, Adebayor, Adebayor, Sagna. Yeah, you know, Arsenal fans. Bakari Sagna's wife is an absolute weldy. Rocket. Absolute, off the charts. We might dedicate a podcast in future weeks to her. <laughs> you know, and if she wants to come on the show, we'd be more than welcome to inju- uh, injure her. Well, <laughs> depends on where you look at it, but we'd be more than welcome to interview her. Arsenal's record against City in recent months and years hasn't been great. It's going to be a tough game. Uh, bookmakers, Skybet have us at Manchester City 5-2 on. The draw's at 4-1 to one, and Arsenal are 6-1 to one to win the game. Really? Yeah, six to one's a reasonable price against City with what, some of their recent matches. I think that's worth a tenner. 
not that you know, gamble responsibly and all of that, but Arsenal six to one. I think you know we beat them convincingly in the FA Cup last year, and we've not lost anything to them in the transfer window. Arguably, we've had a better start to the season than they have. So. Yeah, that's that's quite interesting. Six to one. Yeah, City to win two one is seven to one, which is your lowest price for any result here. You know, yeah. nine, one nil is nine to one, fifteen to two for two nil, so two one. So they reckon we're going to score. Mm-hmm. I think that's quite sensible, but they reckon that's going to be there for Arsenal to win two uh, one. You're going to get eighteen to one. I think that's a reasonable price. Nice. So what do you think, Desmond? Two all. Two two. I, I think we'll lose two one. Okay. I think we we'll lose two one. I don't think it's going to be a clean loss in any shape, way or form. There will be something that happens during the game. You know, it's the sort of game, bless him, that uh, Louise does a shirt pull and gets caught. It's the sort of game we might get a dodgy decision against us, give away a penalty that might be rightful. Who's played in the Arsenal team in like in the internationals or who's had a good rest? So Bellerin's had a rest, Holden's had a rest, Louise had a rest, Gabriel's had a rest. Has Kolasinic gone off to Bosnia? Obviously, Saka's gone to England. Party's come back from Ghana. Did Xhaka play for Switzerland? I assume I think he was in the did. squad, yeah. Ceballos. Did, did he go to Spain? I think he's in the squad, isn't he? Yeah. So, yeah, Aubameyang came home early. Lacazette's not in the French squad. And I don't think there was any under-23s, was there? So Enketia didn't Enketia, go. Enketia, he scored, didn't he? He's equaled the record there. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, great. Yeah, he equaled Franny Jeffers' uh, all-time <laughs> record. Great ask to play Franny Jeffers. Yeah, uh, obviously Urzel's had a rest. Pepe Ivory Coast, have they played? Uh, I think they would have been. At, they would have probably had a game, but I'm not sure. Yeah, so half the team have had a have had a rest. So L- Louise is a different beast under Arteta as it's gone on. He had one bad game, admittedly against, against City, City, losing you know nil. first game back. But I mean, other than that, he, I mean the the game after he played against City was leaps and bounds. In the FA Cup some fun, I thought he was colossal. I think he was ma- he was my man of the match. He arguably played the best pass I've seen a centre back play forever. Great player. I, I no, I think he's gonna it's gonna be thing a difference to our squad. Yeah, I think we'll lose just because it's away from home. We've we've had a an absolutely abominable record against City. And historically, we are shit after the international break as well. We are. It's coming up to November as well, one of our worst months of the year. Yeah. So hopefully we can have a more pleasing month in November. You know? Yeah. So that's the City predictions. Your 2-1 loss. I'm saying Desmond 2-all. I I want to say we'll win, but then that's just kind of the biasness in me. The statistics will not suggest we can. You know, form over the last few seasons. Yes, on on current form, you know, if you look at points in the bag, Yeah. yeah, okay, we're not creating enough chances in my opinion. But then we're probably going to be under a barrage of stuff, so we only need to create one or two. I feel like they're going to play quite a high line. And if we can get our guys in behind, I just feel like we'll create more chances with Pepe on the pitch. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think there might not be chances like you create by slick passing. There'll be chances you create by a bloke running at someone. Yeah. Which I'm I'm looking forward to the game. I really am. I think there's as much of a mistake in Ake and Stone as there is in Louise. Yeah. And, And I don't... Gabriel's quick. He's strong. He's no nonsense. You know, we know Aguero or Jesus. You know, I don't... He's going to be able to push his weight about a bit. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I think it'd be one or two all. So, Bob, the only other thing that's really gone on in the last week or two, which I think is quite sad, I think it's political, 
I don't think there's going to be any real goodness that comes out of it because someone's going to feel deflated. Is this project big picture? It's interesting, isn't it? And I, just, I want it to work. I want it to be fairy tale. But there's just so many opinions, so many agendas around it. Yeah, I mean, if you look at some of the proposals, I'm going to take this one to start with. They're going to cut the Premier League down from 20 to 18 teams. And with the Championship, League One and League Two retaining their 24 teams. Okay, they've cut the Premier League down. Yeah. But they're leaving those divisions as they are. Two teams have to leave. There's 92 teams currently in the top four tiers of English football. Yeah. Under this new project, there's going to be only 90. So so surely then the ladder effect suggests that two yeah. teams in the... Well, yeah. I mean, you're not going to relegate another two teams from the Premier League this year to go down and then find that they disappear, are they? It's not going to be the top teams that disappear. It will be the two teams at the bottom disappearing. Yeah. You know... Is this looking at the fact that more teams are susceptible to going under? What do they think this does beneficially to football? Apparently, it's about the even dispensing of cash from the top table downwards. Yeah, but that, they're losing two teams, which then subsequently loses 70 games of football or from the top tier. Every, every game is now televised uh, under the the current regime. And I, I honestly genuinely think that pay-per-view football now will stay. Like, I, I just cannot see it returning. The armchair paid fan is now in. Like, and at 14.95, I said to you on the phone the other day, I was in the um, drive-thru McDonald's at Sutton with my children, treating them after a good week at school. And I said to you, for £300-odd pounds per year, to watch Arsenal play every single league game on television, I have absolutely no qualms that it's a solid investment. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, forty ninety five a game, it can sound steep. You know, you pay 20 quid a uh, fight for boxing. I know you get an undercard and all of that. Yeah, but, but who watches that? You're paying 20 quid for watching Joshua versus Klitschko or yes. Joshua versus Tyson Fury. You're not paying 20 quid to watch... You, people you can't name. No, that's exactly You're not planning 20 quid to watch them, are you? The six o'clock game. All the boxes are from six. You know, there's no yeah. fans there. Yeah, I think that, I think I'm tentative looking at Project Big Picture. So uh, just stay on the pay-per-view thing with me for a while, because I did the numbers for you then, didn't I? I? I said that just from assessing match day revenue over the course of a season on an average ticket price, I thought that a Premier League club would need to sell around about 225000 pay-per-view per game to accommodate them bringing in the same sort of match day revenue. And I just look at a club like Arsenal who are going to have to give a bit of a commission to the team that they're playing against. And I, I assume that will fluctuate based on it being a tier one, tier two, tier three, tier four opponent. And I just can't not see 220,000 people watching that game. Like, you've got millions and millions of global fans, but then you just stay in line with the fans that are in the UK. You've got 60,000 committed season ticket holders, and then that of the thousands that go to the pubs on the day. Then you just go up and down the country, on top of the fact that you've got the opponent subscribing to the game as well. I just, I, I think, I think a million people could watch a game. Yeah, obviously this new pay-per-view thing If is... a million people can watch a fucking episode of TOWIE, a million people can watch Arsenal play Crystal Palace on a Saturday. 100%. I think, I think that's right. You know, um, you will get more people subscribing to it. Obviously the new pay-per-view thing 
is based only for British consumption. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the TV deals that are currently in place for your foreign television station will still be the same. You know, it is business versus pleasure. You know, from a football club side of things, they're going to be making money. You know, fourteen ninety five. people say that's too much. But are they future-proofing that price? In what regard? In, you know, you could say, oh, it's fourteen ninety five, mid of a pandemic, all of this. So if you go and rock that out at seven fifty a game, which is really reasonable, a fantastic price. If you did that seven fifty a game now, later on, when it actually is more for business and people are going to start making money out of it when fans are allowed back in the stands, mm-hmm. later on you can't just sort of say it's fifteen quid. You have to put it out at its market value, and its market value probably is pay per view football matches fifteen quid a game. How much does it cost to go to a football match? Well, it depends, but it's probably somewhere between. In this country, 25 and, and, and 85 pounds. It's probably 15 quid on the train before you've even got to the ground. Yeah. You know, so yeah, so I think it is there. It's going to generate money going back into the clubs. The clubs are going to benefit from this. It has been said that Sky and BT and Amazon are not going to make a penny from this. It's all going to be back reinvested in the clubs. So that's a really good thing. You know, even though the fat cats will get fatter because more people are going to subscribe to Man United Newcastle this weekend than they would do if it was no disrespect to these club West Brom Wolves. But if you go on a kind of like pay per view, you know, if you know when you go back to the kind of pence per minute you spend on the phone, you know, it's fifteen pounds or fourteen ninety five for ninety minutes is fifteen pence a minute. Cheap, isn't it? Well, you just would pay that to watch your team play live, not on a stream, on your television, in the comfort of your lounge. And, and I just think for 90 minutes, it's, it's quite reasonable. And, you know, coming back to my point about the amount of people who watch it, I generally think that this becomes profitable for Premier League clubs. You know, there's 70 million people in the United Kingdom. 1% of that is 700,000. How many people are going to want to watch, like, I mean, football's the biggest sport in the country. How many of the 70 million population are football fans? You've got to at least say half. How many of them are going to want to watch football on a Saturday? I, I reckon half again. I think there'll be 14, 15, 16 million people watching their team on TV if they can and pay for it. I think you're, you're going to get high numbers. It's going to make people money. Yeah. <laughs> so in line with Project Big Picture then... You know, the government are coming out saying the Premier League got to do something. The Premier League is saying, hang on a second, the government need to inject into football. FA are just fucking sitting there, just kind of watching it like a a tennis umpire just watches the ball go back and they forth are. on a ladies' rally, which I think is outrageous, to be fair. I mean, the FA have been for, for years fiddling my Rome burns. You know, ever since Port, uh, Portugal, I'm going to come to Wolves in a minute, uh, <laughs> ever since Portsmouth, Went through their wine and went through their financial difficulties. An yeah. FA Cup win inside. A team playing in the top half of the division, and they were in the top of the division, were allowed to fall, plummet from grace. Yeah. Up in Scotland, I know this is Scottish football, not the FA, how Rangers imploded. Yeah. You know, you have Berry, Macclesfield today. Robbie Savage has come in as head of football operations or right. something there. And they've renamed from being Macclesfield Town to Macclesfield FC or something like that. At least he's off BT then. Yeah, thank God for that. But no, so there's all of that that's gone on. And the FA have allowed that to happen. Fit and proper owners have meant to be vetted. And so many of these owners have come in. I mean, what happened at Wigan was an absolute disgrace. And more will come out from that. The way that those sales were allowed to happen. Basically, a bloke 
You know, we, we, we're not going to hear to talk about that, but that was a, a monstrosity. So the FA have, if you would like to Form, say, yeah. blood on their hands with some of these clubs that have gone down. Now, to blame it on the Premier League, you know... But people are starting to say, like, the Premier League clubs shouldn't have been able to do anything near, like, the transaction they've done. They shouldn't have, you know, it's unsalvable or, or you know, it's distasteful to buy or spend the amount of money that the Premier League clubs have done in this window. I think, you know, transfer spending still topped a billion pounds. And we're suggesting that because of... Well, because, because of the pandemic. Yeah. And, but, but but people are going out and, you know, I mean, take away football. Look at what people are spending. You know, people are hard up with cash, but they've still gone out to supermarkets and bought 24 years worth of toilet rolls. Yeah. I mean, like just eating apps like this are like having like record sales. Amazon have had record periods. Like you're Netflix. absolutely right. Yeah. People are spending huge sums of money. They're not saving. You know, they're taking loans from the government. Everybody is kind of utilizing the system. Eat out to help out was to get people to spend money. So money's being spent. Yeah. To say football, to say the top table at football aren't allowed to protect and rejuvenate their business. Because if football didn't spend, it would become stagnant. And if football's stagnant, people won't like it as much. You know, it is still the biggest sport in the world. So, but there's that point of it. But you've also just made the perfect point, right? These clubs are run as businesses. They have hierarchies. They have shareholders if they're listed. And they have an obligation to run a positive balance sheet and try and be in profitability. That comes from revenues made from uh, their position in the league table and also winning silverware. So... I think businesses are well within their right to try and succeed. And, you know, it's not their God-given right to have to support those underneath them. Now, I think they will do something, but I think that they will come to a stalemate because I think the Premier League clubs will only agree to do something if the governing bodies uh, next to them, like the government or the FA, match them or put their hand in their pocket to some tune. Yeah, I agree. You know, I, I think this big picture proposal, does it improve football? Does it strengthen football? I mean, Arsene Wenger himself said that, yes, it's going to benefit, but it's only a drop in the ocean. Clubs will die. Yeah. Small clubs will be affected from this. And it will continue to do it because the big clubs are still going to spend lots of money. And then the medium clubs are still going to try and spend lots of money to join them at the top table. Yeah. And that's going to have a knock-on effect through it. The clubs, if you haven't got the money, you can't spend it. Yeah, that's a simple thing. Arsenal showed that in that tra- this transfer venue. You know, do they want Hussamoa? Of course they want him, but they didn't have the beans to go out and buy him. Yeah, forget forget how much his brother wanted. Yeah, and they might have walked away from the table because of that. But if they wanted the player, they'd have played his brother. Simple as peas. Yeah, or if they had the money, you know, it would have been done. But I think I think you know that's a very valid point. We've made the point around the pay per view for the top clubs, and that is kind of where you know potentially they can think about assessing it based on uh, a number of subscribers and whether or not they can commit an element of that revenue to the to the clubs underneath them because obviously championship league one league two football isn't going to be televised you know fans at the moment can't get in the grounds which i think is a massive shame i think football stadiums feel just incomplete without supporters in them and I think to wrap that point up, if the Premier League is starting to see really, really, really strong revenues from pay-per-view sales, then you know they should try and help the league. But then I also think that it is 
uh, right for the government and the and the FA to commit incomes and to commit budgets and spend to those clubs as well. And then you know we try and keep the football clubs and the feeder clubs in this country because alive. The, the rules are around about having three having matches televised, the three o'clock kickoffs, if you will, televised on on Saturdays. The reason why we don't historically have it in this country is so people go and watch the lower league teams, their local football teams. So if you've got now a choice of being able to pay £15 to watch your Premier League team you support, the chances are you'd do that and not go down the road. Now, that will obviously have a knock-on effect because they're not getting the gate revenue. But if all of a sudden the Premier League teams are increasing, you know, you know, back to when they can have a, a fully-fledged sell-out ground and then they're still selling more people watching at home, the revenues football sides are going to make off the back of this is going to be exponential. Yeah. You know, it's going to go through the roof. Because how many fans go to lower league football? I don't know. Let's pick any... Let's put a game. You're probably going to talk 1,000 people. 1,000, yeah. 1,000 people to a good game, maybe 2,000. Yeah. That's 2,000 people, all paying a tenner each. Well, so they pay, let's pay less, yeah. 20. Let's say they pay 20 quid each. Yeah. 40 grand. Now, all of a sudden, that's 40 grand. Now, if Arsenal... Sell out sixty thousand pounds. That's in my pocket. Sixty thousand people. That's in my pocket. Arsenal, thank you very much. And then they said another a hundred thousand subscriptions, pay per views. That is so much more money if they gave a portion of that down the league. So if every football club can do this with pay per view, the money they can make revenue wise is probably going to be much more for the lower league teams than having people at the game. Yeah, and uh, and let's just see how it unfolds. And oh, I think it's juicy. It is, and you know we're going to go to City, and hopefully we get a result. You can get us at Jim Bobcast or info at jimbob.com if you want to send an email through. I've been Jim. I'm Bob. See you next week. See you next week. <laughs>